For many of us, sharing the gospel with an unbeliever can feel really intimidating. We wonder how to turn the conversation towards spiritual things in a natural way. We worry about hard questions that we won't have answers to. Or we fear that we might damage a relationship if we say the wrong thing. But is it possible that at least part of our struggle is due to a fundamental misunderstanding of what we're actually called to do in evangelism? Is it possible that we could come to see sharing our faith as an exciting privilege instead of a stressful duty? In our interview today, I'm talking with Isaac Adams, a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., and the founder of the ministry United We Pray. Isaac is also the author of What If I'm Discouraged in My Evangelism from Crossway. Let's get started. Isaac, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway podcast. It's good to be here, man. Last uh, We got canceled last time because of we COVID. Did. So we now did. We're, we're meeting at TGC 2021 right now. There it is. Yeah. And uh, last year, obviously, just didn't happen. That's right, man. Yeah. That's right. It's it's good to it's good to be together. Um, I, I want to start this conversation about evangelism, which is obviously a topic that uh, we all know well. Mm. Uh, if we've if we've been Christians for a while, if we've been in the church for a while, it feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also can feel intimidating. I think mm-hmm. it can feel uh, discouraging in a lot of ways. Uh, but I want to start with a story that you tell in your book about. Uh, your senior pastor, Mark Dever, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was really interesting, really fun. Yeah. Uh, and you, you said that this story had a profound impact on you, something yeah. he told you. Walk us through that. Yeah, so uh, Mark uh, has written a book, a little book called Pers- uh, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism, I think it's called. Uh, and Mark is, a, I, I knew him to be a lion of an evangelist, I say. <laughs> uh, so, I think uh, that's something that maybe a lot of people don't realize about Mark Dever, that he actually... He oh, really yeah. is passionate about personal evangelism. Oh yeah, he lo- I mean he yeah, the man is an evangelist. And uh and so um so I've known this about Mark and then uh but one day, you know, Mark he was talking to I think kind of our staff and he was just sharing about how he was on an airplane and he wanted to share the gospel with this guy sitting next to him, but the guy put his headphones in, and then they wound up a baggage claim afterward, uh strike up a nice conversation and the guy just kind of leans over he's like oh man, I'm so glad you're not one of those evangelical Jesus freaks. <laughs> and Mark's like, and the guy just keeps going. He's like, have you ever been on a plane with them? Oh, it's the worst. They just go on and on and on. And Mark goes on to say, uh, you know, uh, I didn't say anything to that guy. And what I say in the book is, you know, that could have been wisdom, maybe, you know, answer mm. not a fool according to his folly. But Mark was making it clear that it was fear of man in that he, moment. He could assess his own heart in that moment. Yeah, he could see, like, I clammed up and I didn't want to be thought poorly of in this random unbeliever's mind. Mm. And so uh, that w- and the profound impact that it had on me was like, Okay, hold on. If Mark Dever, if the guy who wrote the book on per, a book on personal <laughs> evangelism, falters in his evangelism, I didn't feel like, oh, what hope is there for me? Mm. I felt like, okay, there's actually hope for me. There, like, if he, interesting, if, if he is what what he called himself, I think, a lousy evangelist in that sense, mm. then surely there's some hope for other lousy evangelists like myself, and I would certainly put myself in that category. Uh, so that was the impact. Yeah. Well, why did it have that impact on you that it actually gave you a, a measure of hope rather than making you feel like, well, I, I, he's a spiritual 
uh, person I look up to. Sure. Uh, and I, if he can't do it, then I'm certainly not going to be able to do it. Sure. I think for the same reason, we kind of like it when our friends tell them <laughs> tell stories about their failures rather than their <laughs> successes. Yeah. I'm sure some of that's our own pride. But uh, no, it just makes it so like, okay, hey, it makes me realize, oh, yeah, Paul was right. First Corinthians ten thirteen. no temptation has faced us except mm. what's common to man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not alone in yeah. my insecurity in my evangelism. In fact, even the people, and it's just like, you know, it's one thing to be friends uh, with Clark Kent. It's another thing to be friends with Superman. And mm. it's like, Superman yeah. is just, this is why Jesus is so wonderful yeah. because he, he sympathizes with us in our weakness. Yeah. This is one of the wonderful things Hebrews tells us about our Lord and Savior is he's not he is certainly God, mm. but because he became God and man, we can un- he can under he always could understand us. You know what I mean? We can understand him, yeah. and he can relate to us yeah. in this sense. Yeah. And so in that that moment, I just felt very relatable to Mark. Mm. Like, okay, yeah, you're you're human just like me, and let's be sinners together and rely on yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's something amazing when we have spiritual leaders in our life, men and women that we look up to, that we respect, that we we see elements of their life and we say, I want to be like that someday. But then when you hear them be transparent, be humble uh, with the things that they struggle with, the sins that they've they've, uh, struggled with, there is something super encouraging about that. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to kind of practical tips uh, later, Matt. But one thing I would say just for any pastors listening to this is share your evangelistic failures mm. with your congregation. Yeah. They will be encouraged, way more encouraged than you being like in the last 60 seconds, you know, whatever, 30,000 people plummeted into the pit of hell. Yeah. Like, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Go tell people about Jesus. It's right. Like, yeah, that kind of manipulation may work for a day or two, but... I've never forgotten that story Mark told, Mm. and I hope I don't. So uh, in that sense, um, yeah, man, it's just understanding and that kind of relatability is super useful, Mm. I think. Do you have any stories of evangelism encounters gone wrong? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I'm I'm taking that as a yes. Oh, I do. Do I want to share them publicly? It seems like (laughs) the Lord would have me. I mean, I have one, man. Oh, Oh, goodness. I was going back and forth with this kid who graduated i was on an airplane and being kind of that evangelist Air- airplanes are a, a scary place to yeah, yeah yeah and and i kind of talk about in the book why is it we always evangelize people we know we'll never see again but not the people around our uh thanksgiving di- dinner table mm. but um yeah man and oh no, no no actually let me tell this story because this is my old college roommate uh whom i love and somehow early in the conversation conversation i fumbled into reprobation and i don't know what i was <laughs> like, thinking. like using that word i didn't use that word but i that idea and it's just i mean goodness how uh, many christians struggle with it yeah, like so yeah. like it just a was a place to start yeah yeah and it just it was not good but i will say this man like you know i do think you know when people talk about all the ways to not evangelize, I do think it's a good thing to say, I like my way of trying to do it better than your way of not doing it Mm, at all. mm. So, you know, I think the Lord has given me these failures so I could write this kind of book and encourage people who, yeah, often say dumb things like I might have. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the big questions that maybe a lot of Christians wrestle with, maybe not even always explicitly in their mind, uh, but there's this intuitive sense, perhaps, there's an intuitive answer to this question that sometimes influences our approach to evangelism. And that is, what does successful evangelism mm-hmm. look like? What mm-hmm. it, what constitutes success in evangelism? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
how would you answer that question? Yeah, I think that's a super important question because if we don't hit the goal, then we feel like failures. Yeah. And oftentimes I do think we have the wrong goal. Mm. And I think we've conflate, conflated fruitfulness with success in evangelism. So success is getting that person to make a profession of faith, be converted, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, but our job is not to convert people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Our job, so what I say is, it's like the mailman. The mailman's job is not to make people like the mail. It is to deliver the mail. Mm. Now, of course, yes, there's all the biblical nuance about living in such a way uh, that believers, you know, or the you world. don't want to. You don't want to make people not like the right. Mail. You don't want to make people not like the mail. But your job is not to make them like it. It's to deliver the mail. Mm. And so, success in evangelism is simply faithfully sharing the gospel. So. You know, I think those instances where we do share, and at least for me, I mean, I'm a pastor. Uh, I can kind of, I think, count on one hand the the folks I've quote unquote led to the Lord, and even some of those I'm I'm not sure was lasting fruit. Mm. Um, uh, you know, success is not this trail of souls in our wake. But that's often, that's often even in the, the way that we talk and think about this issue. That is not even always explicitly, but implicitly what we're led to think. Yeah, because we, that's right. The people we hold up as examples of this often do have a trail of souls. In that's world. right. It's like this person was, a, you know, a quote unquote soul winner or whatever it might be. Um, but I think success is, you know, so one gal at our church, she just shared how she started a, a Bible study at work or tried to, and no one came. Mm. And I still think it was successful insofar as she tried. Yeah. Right. And so insofar as we are, or I mean, goodness, how helpful is this word for parents that who have shared the gospel with their kids a thousand times and feel struggle to do it a thousand and one because they're like, my kid is not going to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. I was just talking with a faithful pastor right before this uh, conversation. His kid didn't get saved until high school, early college. I mean, just how many times did he share the gospel? And I think he was successful, not because his son got saved, but because he faithfully raised him in the fear and admonition of the Yeah, Lord. yeah. I want to return to that, too, that, that topic of parents and children. Sure. I think that's a really important point that you, you emphasize mm-hmm. when it comes to evangelism. Um, uh, but, so you've kind of made the point that our responsibility is to be faithful in sharing the gospel but how, there's more to it though than just delivering the mail. Where there's sort sure. of a, there's one way to do that right. You take sure. it, you stick it in the mailbox, and you leave. Mm-hmm. You, did, you did your job. Mm-hmm. But what about the the person listening who's like, well, but in evangelism, there's so many decisions I need to make, so many strategic sure. even decisions I need to make, and that feels overwhelming. I'm always worried I'm going to do it wrong or make the wrong choice in that. Sure. How, how do you think about that when it comes to just then wanting to emphasize though that our job is not to get someone saved? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. Um, a couple of things. One is um, because because there is no formula of a share a you know propositional truth and yeah. take them to B restaurant. I thought it was just a Romans road. Right, right. I mean, it, I wish it were, uh, but it's not. Uh, I think that should free us up in a lot of our. I mean, how many people have gotten saved off of Frank crummy gospel presentations? Yeah, yeah. Clunky, just like, uh, you know, like. Mm. But then. The Lord open, opened eyes. I mean, he speaks through donkeys. He can speak through us. It's just <laughs> like that's what he does. And, you know, again, we don't want to. We can give the most faith, biblically faithful, winsome presentation, and it still might smell like death to someone. Mm. So there, I think there is just freedom uh, in the quote-unquote strategy. But because it's so we're so free in that, it's kind of like, ah, what do I do? Yeah. And what I try to tell folks is, hey, 
you know, good to swing for the fence. And, you know, if you share God, man, Christ response, I'm only happy. But, hey, if you just put a rock in that unbeliever's shoe, mm. you just leave them with a pregnant question. Yeah. Um, that's a win in my mind. Mm. So, you know, I, my wife and I were sharing the gospel with this couple doing this kind of evangelistic Bible study through Mark. Uh, and the girl was very clear. She was an atheist, uh, very clear about it. Um, but at the end of the Bible study, it was like six or seven weeks we did this, uh, she said, look, I'm still not a Christian, but Christianity is way more plausible in my mind having talked to you than when before yeah. we ever did this. And, you know, she was like, I'm still wrestling with some things. But I think she had what I pray is just a kind of rock in her shoe, a mm. spiritual rock in her shoe that, you know, this is why, and I, I talk about it at some point in the book, evangelism is a team sport. Yeah. So what one sows, another one waters, and someone else reaps. It's like, you know, I, I have sown a seed, Lord willing, 10 years down the line, she's in some state, she lands at yeah. some church, she hears the gospel and is saved. Sometimes you can feel this pressure that, yeah, if I'm going to do evangelism well, I need to get the whole presentation out, right. probably in my first conversation with this person. Right. And and then like that's that's the only marker of success. Right. And I yeah, I just kind of want to blow that up. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, again, if you do, great. But I want, we need to, I mean, there's, we're dealing with people, yeah. not robots. Yeah. So there is friendship there's all these things to pursue with someone uh, to encourage them to know the lord mm. just like most of us we're saved not off of one presentation yeah. but probably off of thousands over time yeah so evangelism is one of those topics that i think uh, as you've already said uh, i think if we were all being honest with ourselves and with other people we would have to admit maybe a persistent low-level guilt yes about oh, this right yes uh, is that something that you've You've wrestled with at times, maybe <laughs> <Yes>. today, <laughs> maybe to, yeah, right. Uh, I am traveling, right. Um, <laughs> and so I should be sharing with my Uber driver. I haven't gotten an Uber today, but um, yeah, man, I think that's right because, and I think that's symptomatic uh, or revealing of kind of how just within kind of evangelicalism we've been trained to think about it. I mm. mean, because there are, I mean, and we want to be clear, Matt. Like, I don't unceasing anguish is a good thing. Paul, I have unceasing anguish for my kinsmen according mm. to the flesh. So if you are sad that people are headed to hell, that's, I think, a good and godly yeah. thing. So we're not just looking for the lack of guilt, yeah. but we want godly grief. That leads mm. to repentance. That leads to uh, pushing us into obedience. And yeah, I think it's, it's something that we always feel like we should be doing more, always feel like we could be doing better, and just we often don't see much fruit. So it's like... Mm. Okay, I tried, and that just felt really awkward and painful. Um, and one thing I talk about is thinking of this less like kind of this mystical approach, like something should be happening and it's not happening, and now I'm discouraged because I don't have the superpower of evangelism. Mm -hmm. And thinking of it more as a discipline. So, you know, uh, uh, despite, you know, whatever crossway edition of my Bible that I'm reading and it's all beautifully laid out, uh, <laughs> I don't wake up in the morning, you know, just feeling like flowers and butterflies and lilies when mm, I read my Bible. Yeah. I'm tired. I got little kids. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get something out yeah. of the scripture that yeah. day. And um, I think, you know, I've tried to train myself and not looking for that euphoric feeling every yeah. time. And in our evangelism, I think we need to do the same. It's a discipline to grow in. So just like, you know, I have a little comic in the book. You know, you imagine a kid on the piano, and he's like, Mom, what's wrong? I don't sound like Mozart. She's like, well, how long have you practiced? 
kids like two whole minutes it's like <laughs> yeah dude you're not going to like you've got to practice yeah. your evangelism yeah. and i think we feel so awkward in it sometimes is, is because we practice it so little a lot of is it about expectations it's about yeah right, right? Like it's, that's right if, if our understanding of what's success in evangelism is is not quite right that's right and our under our uh, thinking about it as this kind of mystical thing that maybe just happens or we should just immediately be yeah. good at a superhero power. Yeah, yeah. Th- that we're kind of setting ourselves up for discouragement. That's right. That's right. I mean, if you expect, you know, this uh, person you're talking to to be like, oh, my goodness, you're right. What then shall I do? Where Here's water. Shall I be baptized here? I mean, just like yeah. if that happens to you, praise God. Yeah. It's never happened to me. Do you think we need to talk more about those kinds of things, whether it's evangelism, quote unquote, failures or just the progressive nature of bringing someone to faith perhaps because it does seem like often our talk we, we we like the stories that are big and dramatic yeah those are the ones we hold up but does that contribute to a maybe a, a unrealistic picture of what this should look like probably on an everyday basis yeah i mean i think you know there's uh, there's there's tons of things that probably factor into that i mean we're talking in a western kind of american context where we just like big we yeah. like we like flashy like we dramatic. like yeah we like the dramatic and it's just, you know, most of the, even, I mean, we see these kind of events happen in salvation history, but, you know, Israel wandered out there for 40 years. Mm. There's, there's a lot that went on <laughs> that was not <laughs> recorded, you know? So yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, uh, I, th- I think that would be helpful. And that's what I'm trying to kind of inject here in mm. the book is kind of get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on God, mm. hope in God. Why are you, why is your soul downcast evangelist hope in God? Um, and I think that would, I think that kind of conversation would be helpful to engender because frankly, and what it is, is, you know, America, like as Americans, we like strong mm. and Christianity is a religion for weaklings. It's not, if you, you know, if you've got no weakness to bring to the table, Christianity just does not have much for you. Mm. But if you are a weakling, join the club. Uh, because, and that's what, so I think sometimes we do kind of, you know, whether it be the old man rising up his head or, uh, you know, the kind of the old nature of just wanting to be strong. Uh, we want to be really strong in our evangelism. And Mm. again, that's not all bad, uh, but it can quickly become about us more than it is God. introverts people who who the thought of talking to someone about uh something that could be awkward sure. but especially uh even maybe just talking to anyone else in general sure uh, is, a, is a stressful difficult thing is there uh, that gets maybe broader more broadly to the topic of gifting spiritual gifts just yeah. natural giftings yeah are there certain people that are more naturally cut out for evangelism, do you think? Or is this something, is that is that just kind of an excuse? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny because I feel like I want to be an introvert. And my <laughs> wife, who is you an introvert. You want to be an I introvert. Want, I, like, I feel like I want to be team introvert. And she's like, you're not an introvert. I know you would like <laughs> like to be among us, but you are not of us. Uh, so uh, I have great sympathy for that, though. And what I would say is a couple things. Number one, uh, one thing that I, one kind of phrase that's been helpful is don't be what you're not. Just pour out what you got. Hmm. Don't be what you're not. Just pour out what That's you got. So like, good. just 
it's like, okay, I understand this is uncomfortable, but the Christ- Christianity is about a cross. And yeah. I'll just say as an extrovert, frankly, evangelism is it, like, maybe I like talking to people more naturally, but it is not like, and therefore then I love talking to them about Jesus more. Mm. So I think sometimes that can some be. Some people might be like that. Some people, right? might, yeah, they may be like that. And are those people more naturally lent toward sharing? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I do think evangelism is a task for every believer, personal evangelism. And I also think it's a task for the whole church. So I think, you know, to kind of click out when we're talking about the corporate witness of the church is there is an evangelistic aspect there too. By this, all people will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. So we want to think about that. We want to think through, okay, I want to be faithful in my church so that this church can continue in its witness. Mm -hmm. And there are other things too, you know, if someone, you know, Again, evangelism is a team sport. So if this introvert helps bring someone to church, I kind of want to get out of the like you are or are not evangelizing. Yeah. I want to be clear. I mean, we need to be clear about that because we don't want to say, hey, you know, planting trees, uh, yeah. whatever in the desert is evangelism. Yeah, necessarily. Right. So I think we want to be clear about gospel proclamation. That said, uh, I, I want to also be clear that folks like you lending what you got yeah. is good yeah. and like keep doing that. Like, yeah, bring. Mm. Bring your non-Christian friends around this other person who loves to share yeah, the gospel. Right. That's great. Like, do all that kind of gospel. That's scheme. cool. I mean, to think of evangelism as, in that language, a team sport where we might have slightly different skills and abilities and roles yeah. to play, but we're all working together in a maybe more intentional way yeah. to, to do this together. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, I do want, you know, I do want us all to push on how can we tell someone about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just still a good th- I mean, it, we want to be so immersed with Jesus that yeah. he, we can't help but he talk about out. him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, other people's perhaps find, perhaps find that easier than, than some, sure. Just mm-hmm. as some people who are more kind of analytical minded will find this or that easier. Yeah. Some of it I wonder is, is we often, going back to that the idea of examples or kind of heroes who are really good at this, we, we might see their method, their approach to evangelism. Mm-hmm. We kind of feel like that's the way I have to do it to be doing right. it well. Yeah. And that maybe doesn't fit my personality as well as it does theirs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, you know, it's this this guy, this gal, they're going to do it one way. And again, going kind of back to that point about freedom, uh, it's like, hey, if you are just real, like, you know, so there's one sister, she's super introverted. But what she does, she's I, I think this is another thing kind of getting to strategy. She just reads the Bible with people. Mm. So she's not having these kind of, you know winsome you know like whoever it might pick your pick your kind of apologetic <laughs> hero like yeah. these proofs she's got them down she yeah. just reads she just lets the word do the work yep. in that sense yep. and people are like she was a great evangelist because mm. she would just read the bible with mm. people yeah not a super outgoing outspoken sister but just faithfully quietly and it's like man that's some good stuff mm. i need to learn from that i need to stop that's how you wind up talking about reprobation because you're just running your mouth just yeah. read the bible with that, people. that I think that's one of the biggest things one of the biggest fears that we struggle with is i'm not going to know what to say they're going to ask right. me a question right. they're going to make a comment that i'm not going to know how to respond to that's right what would you say to that fear uh i'd say they w- that will happen and it's okay all you have to do is use those Three beautiful words that every theologian should have, every Christian should have, I don't know. Mm. And that's okay to say. <laughs> it's, it's just like, again, back to expectations. You know, I think maybe like another book would be like great expectations about evangelism, <laughs> right? It's like expectation number one, 
expect to not know the answer sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like, yeah. how could, like, I can't explain the Trinity, like, just as, like, in its fullness and yeah, depth. It's right. a mystery. So yeah. when I'm telling someone, yeah, God is three, one and three, and three and one, it's just like, well, how's that work? It's like, well, uh, yeah, here we go. You know, so <laughs> I think it's okay to just, it, again, weakness. It's okay. Mm. To be like, hey, I don't, what that does, and think about what that does for the person you're sharing to, they don't feel like, oh, man, like, clearly, if, to be a Christian, you have to have all the answers. Yeah. What they realize is, oh, you can be a Christian and not have all the yeah. answers. That's so funny, because I think we often feel this pressure to have all the answers. Yes. Right? Yeah. But then, at the same exact time, one of the most often levied critiques against Christians from non-Christians is that you guys think you know all the answers to everything. Right. Right. But this is an opportunity you're saying to kind of demonstrate a level of humility that uh, is actually appropriate to us. Yeah. And this circles back to the example about Mark. I mean, if we can put it put it one way, humility is disarming for basically anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, people just that person who's in the group of friends and they're going on about how awesome they are. You know, you just you watch people glaze over and kind of roll their eyes. Mm. You watch that person share and just be honest and raw and real. It just does something to disarm your listener mm. and it invites them into a vulnerable, a vulnerable moment. Uh, and yeah, just saying, I don't know. And that's what I, th- I mean, you know, there's so many kind of hangups people have like, Oh, I don't think I live a good enough life to tell people about Jesus. And like, sister, that's the point. Yeah, like, right. That's why this religion <laughs> is so great. Yeah. No, you don't live a good enough life, but someone else did. And that's what we want to help people see is like, Hey, mm. I am not perfect and have it all together. I'm actually in great need of a savior. And you know what? So are you. Hmm. So why don't we go look to, look at him together? Yeah, yeah. So another one of the, the biggest fears that I think we often have is is just the simple fear of rejection. Sure. Right? The, the simple fear of someone uh, getting upset or sure. uh, just thinking we're weird, even if they don't say it. Sure. Um, like Mark in the airport. That's, <laughs> do, you, do you ever struggle with that? Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes is the answer. <laughs> so, so how do we, how do we get over that? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just looking up a, a, a verse right now, but basically, again, this goes back to, um, in evangelism, we can have some real self-centered moments. Mm. And what I mean is that, oh, like if this had gone well, then they would have liked me. And that's deeply unchristian. Because it didn't go well for, it went really well for Jesus and they killed him. And Mm. it didn't, you know, they killed the prophets. Jesus tells us in the world you have trouble. A servant is not greater than his master. So why do I think that I would be exempt from that? Yeah. Uh, And he goes on to tell us, I was just trying to uh, uh, look up the passage. But he goes on to tell us uh, about when they reject and revile you, great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice. Mm. So far th- far from being something that should lead us. So I think what happens is we're rejected, we forget God's promise, and we despair. Because it's just we're just sitting there with our pain. Um, but what, what Jesus comes and says is rejoice for great is your reward in heaven. So it's not to say, how many people can I offend today? Well, I was just going to say, because right. you've got someone listening right now is kind of saying, 
Yep, I love that. They, they, they almost see it as a sign of success. Yeah, they relish they get, it. When they get yelled at and cussed at. Yeah. They, they love starting with reprobation. Sure. Um, that's like the, that's the main place they always start, and then maybe they don't go further than that. <laughs> yeah. so, so how do you, what's the difference between that and what you're saying? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, here's the difference is that uh, one of those is motivated one of those is motivated by love of controversy and the other is motivated by love of people. So just because, you know, someone rejects me, I still have the unceasing anguish in my heart for them to be saved. So if I don't, if, if you don't have that kind of grief and burden for people, I think something is off like, mm. Oh, great. You know, my numbers are up in heaven today. And it's like, oh, I think you probably lost a spiritual reward. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very spiritual reward you just got, you yeah. probably just lost. Because it is right possible to, even if you're, what you're saying is true, none yeah. of what you're saying is wrong, in the tone and the demeanor and the approach to doing That's right. You could actually push someone away from the faith. That's right. I mean, you know, um, you know, Kokel talks about this in his book, Tactics on Evangelism. He's like, you know, people want to say they had this like real brash presentation that's their style and just like what you're saying and they're like it was worth it because one one person got saved he's like was it worth it you know those those mm. 300 people you turned away from jesus mm. was that worth it you know and so we want to be real careful to not think about it as a system to game to mm. win our reward in it. That's not what the reward is for. It's for faithfulness. And part of faithfulness uh, is always being prepared to give an answer and uh, doing so respectfully mm. uh, and being kind. And those are part of the commands God gives us. So there is, there is content, and then there is also tone and posture. Mm. All of that matters in mm. our evangelism. Yeah, yeah. How do we strike the right balance between being persistent in our evangelism sure. and being willing to do what Mark Dever says he maybe wishes he would have done was sure. make that, say that thing to that guy sitting on the plane next to him, but do it in a way that isn't uh, annoying or obtrusive or presumptuous, you know, in an unhelpful way. I think sometimes, you know, maybe if we aren't, we aren't trying to offend people. We don't want to do that. We're not like that guy we've just talked about, but we're, we're we want to be faithful in this, but we're not always sure like, you know, the guy's got his headphones on. Should I interrupt him? Should sure. I should I tap him on the shoulder <laughs> yeah, and say, like, Hello. I want to talk to you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, is there a line there? And have you ever yeah. wrestled with kind of figuring out where that line is? Yeah, there is a line, but the problem is it changes for each person. Yeah. So what one person thinks is obtrusive, the other person thinks is raw and authentic and helpful. Yeah, so, right. you know, I want to be less on kind of what the balance is because each sinner kind of needs a different or, you know, a certain approach. But... Uh, that's where I kind of want to go to. If it's just a kind of, dis it's just natural in your life, you mm. will get better at it. Yeah. You will learn how to read read people better in situations. And it's like, okay, do you have a longer gospel presentation kind of in your arsenal? Do you have a shorter mm. kind of couple sentences in your arsenal? What are questions you like to ask? Like, yeah. you know, do you, you know, just a simple, do you have a faith background? Yeah. You know, just a kind of, normal disarming question in that yeah. sense uh so i want to that person and you know again we want to while we want to think about posture tone content all of those good things we we simply need to trust god at mm. the end of the day and be <laughs> like god i'm gonna try i'm going to try yeah and i might strike out but that's okay yeah and you know again it gets back to like hey 
pour out what you got. Yeah. And, you know, you will, I mean, like how many of us were good at anything when we first started it? Mm. Uh, the problem is we just kind of like with evangelism, it seems we like to pick up our ball and go home. Uh, and I think that's because we are discouraged. Like that's what I'm getting at in this book is most every Christian knows they should evangelize. That is not the problem. The problem is most of us are pretty discouraged mm, in yeah. our evangelism. Yeah. Speak to the person who uh, at work, uh, you know, most of us are going to spend yeah. a lot of our lives in our workplaces. Yeah. And for someone who, who works in a secular environment where they're surrounded by non-Christians yeah. uh, every day, that can feel like a, a great opportunity on the one hand. They want to they wanna be sharing their faith with their, with their coworkers, but also can maybe feel even particularly tricky because it's, mm-hmm. it's like, what context can I do that? How do I not step over boundaries in an inappropriate sort of way? Sure. Any advice, practical advice, even for someone who's kind of finds themselves in that situation yeah one one brother who i know and love um we've done some evangelism workshops together uh his his name is paul billings but um paul has a great line about um you know you want to look for easy wins he's like all of us need some wins when it comes to evangelism (laughs) and one strategy he has is plant the flag early and this is what he means he means just let them know early on in your relationship that you're a Christian. And mm. it can be, is it does not have to be, hi, hello, my name's Isaac Adams, and I am a Christian. Just it, want you to know. Yeah, just want you to know. <laughs> um, it can be like coworker A. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, yeah, I went to church. It was great. Yeah. What would you do this? It's just that little, mm. okay, now there's some kind of flag in yeah. the ground. Now, here's the thing, Matt. I think someone should actually be encouraged that they said that. Right, that yeah. they didn't just run. That's into, that's part of it. That's right, part like of evangelism. That's, this is what we're what we are trying to do is just trying to we're trying to position ourselves, and now that person knows like they have whether it be good or bad some association in their mind that mm. hey I think that's a spiritually minded person, and so um, that that would be one thing where there are kind of little wins that you can accomplish uh, that way. That again, we don't want to go from okay, I'm either quiet or I'm standing on a soapbox in the middle of my office. It's like, well, there are some other speeds in there. <laughs> and uh, if you kind of... Those are you, not the only two options. Right, those are not the only two options. So one would be, hey, plant that flag early on in your relationship. Mm. And for the person who's like, well, I haven't done that. Well, just, you know, next time they ask you what you did this weekend, instead of talking about all the Netflix stuff you watch yeah. that I'm sure was fun and cool and relatable, you just be like, oh, I went to church. It was really good. It is interesting as you, as you start to think more intentionally about this, ask yourself those questions, where could I plant this flag in Mm. in natural conversation? There are often lots of opportunities that Mm -hmm. we're just kind of opening our eyes to them. That's right. We need it. And that's the, once we kind of retrain, so my, you know, this little book is a lot about mindset, but once that mindset is kind of right, we can see, oh, wow, there's a lot of opportunity around me. Mm. There's, there's some things I can do. There's some, there's some little steps I can take. Uh, to really open up some kind of evangelistic conversations. Yeah, yeah. So one comment you made earlier in our conversation was just uh, about how often when it comes to evangelism, we're focused on sharing the gospel with people we're never going to see again versus people that we see at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So I guess that to me brings up this broader question of... um, how how central is the personal relationship dynamic when it comes to evangelism? Some people, you know, they love going out uh, on the street corner and uh, just kind of getting a megaphone and, you know, street evangelism kind of sure. thing is their jive. And I, I guess, what do you think about that relative uh, compared to 
you know, an approach that would be see relationship as core to what it means to share the faith? Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, on one sense, this kind of goes to the either or mentality. And I just want to kind of step out of that box. Uh, And what I mean is I'm like, let a thousand flowers bloom. Someone wants to go street preach or, you know, pass that tracks great go do that like you know someone's like hey i want to build this relationship with this person because you know so for instance my barista who i see you know every week do i need to come out only only once a week Uh, well (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny i even use that example because everyone who knows me knows i don't drink coffee but i do drink hot chocolate so (laughs) i still need a barista so uh you know it's like hey um Chances are I'll probably see her again next week. And is there a relationship I can build? Okay, hey, you want to just come over to my house for dinner sometime? You know, come get to know me and my wife, my kids. Um, and what that does is it's a different kind of relationship. Mm. So that person on the plane, yeah, I'm only seeing them once. Here's my shot. It's like, But, you know, there is. But I want to guard against people feeling like I must have $500 of relationship capital to do X with yeah, this person. Right. I think that's typically wise you know so if you want to walk up to a stranger and be like where would you go tonight if you died it's like you can do that you know and i've heard god using stuff like that but generally you're gonna have better relationships different kind of opportunities Mm. just like hey why don't i actually you know i'm inviting them into my church world which is great why don't I let, why don't I go to something they like to do, mm, you yeah. know? And insofar as it's not sinful, go do that. Yeah. And again, see this, this is a human being. Mm, yeah. So uh, I saw a picture that you posted on Twitter the other day. Uh, oh boy. You, here, we, here we go. No, no, no. <laughs> of, of you and your two super cute little daughters. Yes. Uh, you said girls. something like, I love, I love being a dad to daughters or something yes. like that. And do you have just two, two kids? Two, uh, I have three. I got uh, two girls and a little boy. Okay. A little boy. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of, it got me thinking about uh, just something that was maybe a little bit unexpected, but an emphasis in this book that mm. you've written. And that is an emphasis on parents and mm. their kids and the evangelistic importance of parenting yeah. and the opportunities there. I guess my first question is, why did you feel it necessary or important to emphasize uh, parenting in a book about evangelism? Yeah, because I think often, and I try to do it early in the book, I think often parents can feel like, oh man, I used to be on the, the front lines. Yeah. I used to be, you know, out in the neighborhood. I used to be discipling people. Think back to the, their like, college ministry Yeah, days. like we all kind of have those kind of uh, like college ministry that are like we're up and just this intense one-on-one <laughs> discipleship. And now I'm up with this kid who's throwing up on me. Like now I'm just up with these kids, these exhausting kids. And what I want folks to see is that, yeah, the normal means for Christianity's advancement is through the home. Uh, that's not the only means by uh, by any by any stretch, but it's a normal one that God uh, but raising up children in the fear of the Lord is a good and godly thing. And so what I want parents to see is you are on the front lines. Mm. Like so again, you know, my wife is super introverted, but she's sharing the gospel with our little girl. Mm. And that is her gospel audience right here, right? And she's got all the capital in the world with her. And so it's just like, I want my wife to not have to feel like, hey, to be a faithful evangelist, you need to be out there passing tracks. Mm. 
and if that you know that person is out there passing tracks praise god yeah but uh, we have a particular responsibility to these children yeah to teach them about jesus yeah says so in the old testament says so in the new like we need to be sharing the gospel so i think i think what i'm what i'm trying to do there uh is help parents see uh, that they have a huge role in sharing the gospel with their children mm. and they're not off the evangelistic front lines. Yeah. So often we don't view our parenting through that lens of evangelism. Yeah. And that's not the only lens, obviously, to view it through. Of but that, that is such a kind of a different way of thinking. Why, why do you think that is? Why don't we often think of our kids um, as as lost sinners in need of the gospel and that that, that work of fa- parenting is, in a lot of ways, evangelism? Oh man! I, again, when when I've I've learned, you know, just working on some writing projects, asking the question why. There's often tons of answers, uh, but I think uh, one thing is, I mean, there's just the normal exhaustion of parenting. Like I got little kids right now. It's like I don't even know my last name mm-hmm. right now. So, um, and then it's just there. There's a reason Paul reminds us we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We tend to just kind of see the behaviors or whatever it is and mm-hmm. want to go after that. Mm-hmm. And again, because we tend to lean on our own strength we think we can just fix it yeah with whatever a correction or whatever it might be a corrective word um and it's like no this is a sinner who needs a new heart just like i was a sinner who needed a new heart and so when we have those moments where we can step back as parents uh that's useful but we're often so we're often stepping in it Mm. so much as parents quite literally that uh (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just easy to lose that perspective. We're yeah. just trying to get them in the car and keep them alive. Yeah, you know? yeah, so. right. That's right. Maybe as a last question, um, we've kind of identified that you wrote this book for Christians who are discouraged, mm-hmm. who are feeling this level of discouragement, maybe for all kinds of different reasons uh, related to their evangelism. So I guess I wonder, you know, what would you say to someone who just is saying, you know, I, I, I am there. I, I do feel like that. And um, I just... I kind of don't know where to go from here uh, in my evangelism, in this feeling that I have. Uh, what word of encouragement would you offer that person? Yeah. Oh, the short one would be, brother, sister, join the club. I'm right there with you. Um, and what I would offer them is, you know, I'd really just, I'd probably just offer them a question, be like, just talk to me why. Because mm-hmm. then I'll probably tease out some of those expectations. I just feel yeah. like it's always awkward. I feel like I you know, I see no one gets saved, mm. like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, wh- why do you need to see those things happen? Mm. Uh, what are you thinking about what faithfulness is and what it's not? Um, you know, because we might be dealing with someone who's genuinely convicted. I need to share the gospel more. Right? Yeah. So there's all different kinds of answers. But the first one I give in the book is hope in God who counts us righteous in Jesus. I want to take that person back to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and remind them, uh, brother or sister, your identity is not your evangelistic track record. And God does not see you through that lens. And so what we want to do is we need to be reminded of the beauty of the gospel and its power and importance in our life. Because evangelism, we're naturally thinking about getting the gospel to someone else. But we need the gospel. I need to be spiritually built up by the truth that, man, I am forgiven of all my sin. Jesus really is coming back again. He really has prepared a place for me. What we want to do is, in those moments when we're super discouraged, we want to get close to Jesus and sit there because he is near to the brokenhearted. And, I mean... 
we see a savior who wept over people over people's unbelief uh, we see a savior who kept going so it's just you know what expectations do we have about the christian life that are leading to that discouragement uh, but for someone who's there i want to say you know um hey you're probably going to be here again and that's okay it's like god can use lousy discouraged evangelists so um hope in god and you will again praise him well, isaac thank you so much for encouraging us today in our hey. evangelism. well i hope i hope it encourages evangelism and it's just like yeah you go out there and just try That was Isaac Adams on how to pursue evangelism with joy. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, What If I'm Discouraged in My Evangelism, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.